Welcome to Best Served, a podcast recognizing unsung hospitality heroes. Join Chef Jensen Cummings as he chops it up with industry leaders about the humans who've impacted their lives and careers. From childhood guides, to ass-kicking mentors, to the team members in the trenches that make it all happen. Help us celebrate these rock stars by sharing our show and nominating your own unsung hospitality heroes. Connect with us on social media at Best Served Podcast. Now here is your host. What's up, podcast? This is Corey from Best Served. This episode is a clubhouse recording from March 16th about your first restaurant job. Hope you enjoy. This is a remember your first restaurant job. A, uh, I think a fundamentally important topic always, and especially in these times right now. So, you know, want to uh, just reminisce a little bit. I think uh, to move forward, I always think that you kind of got to look back to be able to move forward a little bit. And so learning from our mistakes and remembering kind of where we came from, I think is important. And sometimes something that we forget when we get so stuck in the minutia of what we do and how we do it. So we're gonna talk about this, uh, a couple of housekeeping items. We are uh, recording. So the recording of this will go up on our podcast channels uh, so that people can kind of uh, tune in to what's happening. We'll do one Mac at a time. I'll, uh, there's hand raising, so feel free to raise your hands and uh, I'll call a couple of you guys up on stage, just kind of tell, tell those backstories, that origin comic book number one story a little bit. And, uh, and I'll just, I'll just kind of kick it off there and, uh, and start with that. For me, I was 17 years old. I graduated high school. I was such a fuck up as a kid, barely graduated high school, went to a couple different schools. And I remember my uncle, Rick Carmer said, why don't you get out of Southern California? Why don't you come out to Ames, Iowa, where my uncle's built their little restaurant empire. Why don't you come wash dishes for me for the summer and just kind of see what happens. And so I decided, fuck it, might as well. I'm going to get out there. And I had no preconceived notion that I was going to end up making a career out of restaurants. I think it finds us like it does, you know, so many of you, I'm sure. And one of the things that was interesting is my family has been in the restaurant business for 100 and 121 years we opened our first restaurant in 1900 in little falls minnesota called la fond house great great grandfather great grandfather grandfather of barman and restaurant tours in san francisco my three uncles owned seven restaurants across four different states three different states so it was always kind of in my dna i just had no idea that i was going to get into it and i remember hopping on a plane with my dad flying out there uh, you guys, I'm going to, I'm going to post this to my Instagram. So anybody that doesn't follow me on Instagram, you can click on my picture and you can see it, uh, link to it in my bio, but I'm going to post a picture that we just found the other day that is of my uncle's garage with a bunch of like blacklight Metallica and sublime posters hanging on the wall because we turned his garage into my room. I literally didn't even have a room. And the first shift I worked was a thursday night we, we tracked it down a thursday night and i was on dishes and I, I shit you not a pile of dishes as tall as i am i'm six two and had no idea that the chaos the madness of it was amazing to me it was this intense mosh pit yet there was like this beauty to it i was instantly instantly hooked 
Uh, a month later, I was living with uh, three other guys that I work with at the restaurant. So anyway, I'll jump back in a little bit. But Sean, I wanted to I wanted to hear your story a little bit. It looks like this is going to be a little bit of a quiet room, and that's okay. I think a lot of our people out in Colorado are hibernating right now. But uh, I think it's important. I think it's important for us to reflect on those backstories. And I'll jump back in a little bit. But Sean, man, I wanted to hear your uh, your origin story, man. Sure. I appreciate it, Jensen. Thanks for uh, getting the room together. Remembering my first restaurant job, um, I was actually just fortunate to go on to a reality TV show that aired on Amazon Prime. It was a pitch competition, so it was a two-minute drill pitch. And in my pitch, um, I included my restaurant origin story, which was a photo of me, ironically, that you talk about this photo that you found. This was a photo that I found of me when I was 13 years old washing dishes in the same restaurant that I now own, um, which is, you know, what, 25 years later. Uh, it's, it's absolutely incredible to think back when I was in eighth grade that my family took over a property that we, my grandfather owned the property. He was, uh, he's a Bulgarian. My grandmother's Japanese. She wasn't grandmother by blood, but uh, she raised me and working on the weekends was something that I didn't want to do. I was fortunate to grow up in a very affluent part of San Diego called La Jolla. Um, all my friends uh, were very wealthy and they spent time weekends playing sports, um, going to the beach. And all of a sudden our family took over this restaurant and my job was to come out about 15 miles to East County, San Diego and wash dishes and bus tables um, on Saturdays and Sundays. And I remember it resenting it. I mean, I, I really resented the fact that I had to do that. But honestly, I couldn't have been more grateful looking back now that it taught me not only hard work, but it taught me the thing that I love the most, and that's hospitality. Um, growing, up, growing up in the family restaurant, it was seeing people come in and take ownership of the restaurant. Like, they own the restaurant. Like, this family came in. And they go, this is where we always sit for dad. And we sit on the back patio because that's, that's, our, that's our space. It was the hospitality that drew me in, even though, you know, working and busting tables and washing dishes was just something that I was, I was so resentful at the time. But yet now looking back on it, it's the thing that it put me in the position to find hospitality and to find my tribe. And my tribe is people that are willing to be of service. You know, so many of us, we work our ass off in the restaurant business, um, and there's nothing else that I would rather do. So I appreciate you getting this room together, Jensen, and I will um, pass the mic off. Sean, I got a, a follow-up question. The You keep the concept the same from the one that you washed dishes in 25 years ago? <laughs> no chance. <laughs> okay, no, I knew it was the same location. I remember that, uh, hearing that about your backstory uh what yeah. was the concept originally I, i'd love to hear what it was and then uh and then was, maybe tell people what it is today sure it was an uh, it was a american breakfast concept so 7 a.m to 2 american diner omelets eggs country fried steak um just in a very rural part of uh san diego and when we took over we were built on breakfast so if we didn't have that breakfast crowd um, we would have been, we would have gone under and we opened in 2008 in the recession. 
if you look at the entire San Diego market, it would have been the worst location to pick. But it was the liquor license that drew us to us, the fact that we could turn it into a sports entertainment destination, um, do great food, but also have that sports neighborhood bar feel where everybody was welcome. So it wasn't just for the diehard sports fan, but it was grandma, grandpa, the kids. Um, people would feel safe and secure to come and cheer on their team or if they didn't care about that. Now it's, now it's barbecue. So we're a, a restaurant in San Diego that slow smokes barbecue. And um, we learned a lot by picking the toughest categories and the toughest locations. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it, it's a lot different now than, than when I was busting tables um, back when I was 13 years old. I went to my high school senior prom at George's on the Cove, man. So I know La Jolla, <laughs> I know La Jolla really well, man. Small, small world for sure. Uh, Ira Evans, definitely want to hear uh, your story a little bit. Give us that first industry job. Again, for everybody just kind of joining the room real quick, Ira, before you jump in. First job in the industry, I think so fundamentally important. So much of what we build in this industry is about the relationship. Sometimes we get so caught up in the minutia of what we do and how we do it. And I truly believe that why we do what we do and who it is that we serve, who's gotten us to this point, who's in the trenches with you is what truly matters. That's who truly matters. And so I think reflecting on that and being able to tell stories about it and learning from our past successes and more importantly, our past mistakes, I think is going to be so important. So I want to like for all of us to just remember those moments. And, uh, and I think it's meaningful and the more we can communicate finding our people, uh, the better off this industry would be. So Ira Evans, uh, jump in, tell us a little about yourself and give us that first industry job. You're muted. Just unmute your microphone there. Bottom right corner, Ira. Maybe, maybe not. Let's move on to the next one. <laughs> yeah, sounds good. Uh, yeah, I see Rebecca here. Rebecca, you want to jump in and tell us your origin story? Hey, how are you guys? Um, okay, so my first industry job um, I actually, it was at a grocery store. Um, the day that I turned 14, I walked in and said, I need a job and I want you to hire me. Um, and I spent four years there. I worked as a bagger, as a cashier, but then I moved to the produce department, the meat department, the deli department. And by the time I was 15, I was managing the bakery <laughs> and it was crazy because they like bended so many rules for me to be able to be a manager <laughs> in the bakery department because I was 15. So I couldn't actually like operate like the bread slicer until I turned 16. So if somebody came and said, can you slice this bread for me? I would have to call a manager <laughs> from the front to come back to slice it. Even though I was like closing up the bakery every single day. Um, I enrolled in culinary school when I was 16 and I got my degree in pastry and, um, and it, I just knew, but it was all of that. It was all that experience. Even at one point too, they had me be a customer care associate. And basically what I did is I roamed around <laughs> with a headset looking for shoplifters and reporting them to the front and putting away understock. So basically whatever people like didn't want, and they just like kind of threw anywhere, I had to like find its home 
And like, still to this day, I could tell you like mac and cheese, five middle shelf halfway down, uh, which probably helped me later on in life when I had to organize my kitchens, like everything had a spot, <laughs> you know what I mean? It, everything had a purpose and it never left that spot. Anyway, that was my first industry job um, before I entered into culinary school. Yeah, and walking around in the headset and shoplifters, that that motivated you, huh? It feels like <laughs> it, it feels like that would uh, that would deter me, but you found some solace in the fact that you got to stay organized, disciplined, and detailed. Is that what you took away from it? You know, it wasn't even really like the shoplifter part of it. I liked, you know, obviously like searching around and like looking for people because I just don't ever believe in like stealing, lying or cheating. But my favorite part about what I was doing, like, was literally just organizing the entire place. Yes, I love a good like organizational project that like pumps me up. Um and I would just get so mad when people would like put things in the wrong place. You know what I mean? So like everybody knew better than to like mess, mess with my system. <laughs> it was, it was hilarious. Understood. Makes total sense. Mise en place is going to be at the utmost report in Rebecca's kitchen. That makes complete sense to me. All right, Ira, I want to come back uh, over to you. If you're uh, willing and able, just unmute your microphone, jump in and tell us your, uh, tell us a little your backstory. Hi, Jensen. I'm a personal chef in Denver, Colorado. So my first job in the industry is when I was 19, working in a coffee shop uh, in a hotel back home. Yeah, tell, tell everyone where back home is. Uh, you got a great origin story, even just how you got all the way to the States. Uh, give us a little <laughs> bit. This is a good one. I mean... Uh, back home is Jakarta, Indonesia. I'm from Indonesia. So basically, I, you know, I always want to work in a culinary industry. But when I went to my college, um, I couldn't get in into culinary because they said I was too small. So I end up um, majoring in a food and beverage management. And then my school is like a, a year of school and a year of uh, work. Um, and then we have to write a thesis about it. And so I, my first job was in a coffee shop in a, a Mandarin Oriental hotel. Um, what else do you want to know? <laughs> yeah, I'll just, I'll just interview you. This is totally fine. This is what we do. <laughs> this is what I do anyway. So, uh, go back to that. This is an interesting thing. I remember Chef Debbie Gold, one of my mentors talked about this too, how she was too little and got looked down upon literally and figuratively because they didn't think she could hang in the kitchen and now she's won you know multiple james beard awards and so uh, i'm fascinated that it, it sounds like you took that as a challenge and accepted that challenge what why did you want to go into culinary when everyone told you that you know you were too small like you said you weren't going to cut it i just love cooking and then like i remember when i was working in the coffee shop I thought, I mean, every time I had the chance to go to the back, to the kitchen, I always talk to the chef and always like asking them for recipe. And like, I mean, that's all I do. I just kept bugging them. And I said, how do you make this? How do you make that? And, you know, it just like, 
um, it's so fascinating for me uh, in the cooking part. But I think um, what I learn as a personal chef right now, because sometimes I do party, um, you know, being in the front of the house helped me with my customer service. And then, you know, you know, sometimes I do party for like six to 10 people by myself. So I cook and I serve at the same time. And it just helped me tremendously um, how I can, you know, navigate between the two job. I love it. I felt the same way. I was a bartender, as a manager. I always felt like I became a better chef understanding the full life cycle of what it means to be in hospitality. Sean mentioned, you know, finding that hospitality. I think that's, that's important. So appreciate that. That's really, really great. Love it. Yes. Uh, I don't know. Did I lose the connection? No, it looks like they're muted. You're still there. Hi, everybody. I'm Lacey. <laughs> yeah, Lacey, jump in. I'd love uh -huh. to hear, love to yes. hear your story. I thought this conversation was so fun. I, um, I laughed when I actually saw the topic of this. I got pinged in and I'll, I'll laugh because... Um, my experience was definitely a little different. I My first job in general was in retail, but <clears throat> when I was uh, 17, 18, my first uh, F&B job was actually in a restaurant on Wall Street. So if you imagine Wall Street is the uh, district capital of New York where every uh, the business is, is booming and you can only imagine that type of clientele. People are ordering Negronis and, um, and um, old fashions. And I just remember I totally failed at my serving job. <laughs> I was, this was my first serving job and I was just excited to just be around um, that type of clientele because my mother, she worked right across the street. She's like, Hey, you need a job. Um, you know, when you're, when you're off from school. So just, you know, pick up a job right near me, we can drive to work. So I did it that way. So I thought it was going to be good and it was a complete failure for me. <laughs> um, I didn't know again, the type of drinks that people wanted. I, it was a lot at one time. However, I did have one person who would literally tip me $20 every day and he would just order a, a coffee. So that was, the <laughs> that was my favorite part. He came in every day, just ordered a pot of coffee, but tipped me $20, but um, completely failed at that job. And um, fast forward, though, I've had other serving gigs after that and actually um, trained managers and servers with the Marriott. So it's come, it came full circle for me and I laugh about it every time because it's just so interesting. Like, and I really do give it to servers and anyone in that industry of um, just the operations and, and F&B because it's, I think everyone should be a server at one point in life. It's definitely a learning curve, <laughs> definitely a learning curve. But uh, I just wanted to share that and I, I, 
again, a, a full circle. Uh, now it's completely different. I just find it funny. Like I'm now training managers and have been training uh, staff members in, in restaurants, but uh, you got to start somewhere. You got to start somewhere. I love that, Lacey. So why did you stick with it? I mean, that's it's usually to be like, I'm out. Get me out of here. Because the yeah. guy was giving me $20 on a coffee. You didn't hear that, Jensen? <laughs> I know. That's one no. interaction. We're talking about um, dozens and I dozens actually, every day. No, I, I really did uh, fall in love with food and beverage in general. I, I'm, a, I'm, a slim, I'm a slim gal, but I can eat. And at one point, I did want to become a chef. First, a doctor. And then I was like, mm, maybe not so much. Let's 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 go into the uh, the cooking world. But I realized, like, I just I just didn't like cooking. But I still had a passion just for food um, and hotels in general. So that's kind of how I moved my career into hospitality. I was like, okay, I know what I want to do. I know I want to be involved in that food and beverage side. So what can I do to, you know, spark my interest? And that's how I started with, uh, right after graduating from college, I moved on and got into a program with uh, Marriott. And then for Marriott, been with Marriott for eight years. And yeah, stuck with it. <laughs> I appreciate it. All right, we're gonna open this up real quick and we're gonna get to some other people's uh, stories for sure. Lacey, you brought up a really good point. And so I'm just gonna go with it is everybody should work in a restaurant at some point in their life. I absolutely believe you learn more about interacting with people. You, it's a microcosm of capitalism, all of its strengths and vulnerabilities. Like it is so important. You can always tell the people that have never worked in a restaurant when they're treating somebody in a restaurant like shit. You just know they have no empathy and understanding for that. I want to I wanna open that up. Sean, I know you got opinions on that. Rebecca. Lacey, Phil, Ira, anybody, jump in, please. Any thoughts on <laughs> compulsory service in uh, hospitality? It's, man, does it teach you a lot. Thoughts? I am 100% in agreement. Um, I actually, I don't know if I've shared this with you guys before, but I have, I have a private Facebook group. It's called Leadership Revolution. At some point, I want to turn it into a nonprofit where Leadership Revolution focuses on our youth um, and utilizes the hospitality industry to help prepare them for the future because it literally teaches you everything. Problem solving, communication skills, working on, in stressful environments, how to think outside the box, how to how to navigate people, right? How to, how to talk to people, what it's like to, um, you know, have structure in your life. I mean, I've hired so many young people um, and they're probably my favorite to work with because I can see them go from like maybe a kid that, you know, isn't, isn't doing the best in life, right? Just can't really find its place, him, his or her place. And then you put them in this industry and all of a sudden they turn into like these little rock stars. Um, oh, I'm so in agreement and I, and I love this topic. Yeah. Anybody else thoughts? Um, I think one of my first jobs was actually working for a restaurant and I do have to agree because uh, prior to that I honestly didn't have any um, 
any semblance of just like responsibility in terms of work. You know, like, yeah, I was young, but I, I was exceptionally irresponsible. <laughs> and it teaches you um, a skill set that really does follow you through life, you know? Yeah, I completely agree. Here's an interesting thing that's been coming up a lot with the pandemic over the last year and so many people, you know, struggling, trying to find their way. Uh, some people, I think that brings them closer to hospitality. Some people go, shit, this industry is super vulnerable and I respect to that. And they're, they're trying to get out of the industry. We've talked to a lot of people uh, that are thinking that way and that are making that decision for themselves. And so many people have reached out to me and said, I, I can't do anything else. I don't know anything else. I've been doing this since I was 14, 15, 16, 17 years old. This is all I know. And we don't have enough belief in the self-worth that's created in restaurants. This is a huge vulnerability. It's why Best Served Our Mission is to amplify the worth and work of people who feed their community. That worth part is something that's so interesting to me. I could not disagree with people that don't think that they have transferable skills because the ability to work in a team, the ability to communicate in high stress environments, the ability to adapt in any given moment, uh, the ability to be able to time manage, like there's so many different things that if you ask anybody who's looking at roles in any industry, these are some of the, the most highly sought after attributes and skills that there are and the fact that we don't see that because you get again you get ground up in that minutia of trying to get you know the next plate up and the next table turn uh is such a, a, a it's a fascinating thing to me so that first job leading to this life and this path and this career and then thinking that that means that we are subjugated to be of service in this way that means that we aren't as worthy as others because we didn't want the cubicle we didn't want the nine to five i didn't want the suit and tie like that just it wasn't me so you know i think that's that's something really important for us to to reflect on so appreciate that as a little sidebar topic i think it's so important and it is foundational to kind of this conversation and all the conversations we have is like who are we and what do we stand for and I think that's such an important thing. So really appreciate that. Uh, Phil, thanks for jumping up on the stage. If uh, you want to jump in for a second and uh, tell us your backstory a little bit uh, and uh, where you're coming from. Yeah. Hey, everybody. And hey, Eric Brown. Um, I see my, I saw my buddy Eric in here. And so I had to pop in. Um, hey. Um, yeah. I, uh, I'm a, I've been working in restaurants since 1991. <laughs> um, my uh, my uncle owned a restaurant, uh, a really shitty one, by the way. Oh, sorry for the language. It's just <laughs> but uh, he he hired me to uh, um, he called me one night and was like, "Hey, we're short a busboy, and we need you." I was thirteen, and I'm like, "Okay." So I went in. It was this uh, really. really uh, can you hear me? Okay. Yeah, go ahead. We got you. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, really, kind of, you know. You know, decent American fare, um, uh, you know, restaurant, but he didn't love it. You, you know, he just did not love what, what he did and it showed. <laughs> um, but still, it, it was one of those places where uh, it had a smoking section and a non-smoking section. And the smoking section was, or the, the non-smoking section was uh, 
was like divided by one of those old Western doors. So there were, you know, basically the whole restaurant was just one big plume of smoke, you know, because everyone smoked back then. Um, but yeah, it was great. I, I saved up money. I mean, uh, you know, and then turned that into um, various other restaurant jobs throughout my life. Uh, pretty much done everything in the kitchen besides being like a, a you know, a, 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 anything in the kitchen from, uh, you know, from from being sort of food runner to uh, waiting tables to line cook to, um, uh, you know, front of the house stuff, uh, you know, waiting, managing, even own my own coffee shop. Um, and uh, I mean, it's a, it's definitely been a part of me forever. Uh, every time I want to walk away from it, it always sucks me back in, you know? <laughs> so, um, but, but yeah, so I, I've been for the last 10 years or so, uh, last 11 years, I've been doing restaurant marketing and uh, serve a number of restaurant groups here in central Iowa. And, and besides that, I know I, my, my title there says I'm an urban farmer. That's a, uh, that's, that's sort of my passion. My marketing skills sort of, uh, um, sort of flow over into my, uh, my farming life. And, uh, you know, I, I have a lot to thank to the restaurant industry for sort of getting me to, um, to understand and appreciate, um, the, the, you know, the things about, uh, you know, organization and, um, and hard work and, you know, project management and, um, you know, and just sort of figuring out, you know, how, how great is it that we can have this sort of, uh, um, you know, uh, we have this, this huge massive problem of let's say a hundred guests in a night, break it down into smaller, smaller and smaller problems and just sort of tick them off the list. And I, I, I really see a huge correlation there between, uh, between restaurants, um, and, uh, and, and farming. So anyway, I'm Phil and I'm happy to be here and uh, great room, great topic. Phil, thanks for that. I, I love, we got to talk later. Uh, Michelle Fox, who's got the uh, Female Farmers Unite group. Definitely go check them out, Phil, if you haven't already. Speaking on a Yeah, panel. yeah, we're, we're connected. Yeah, I've, I've connected with her. She's great. Good, 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 good. We're doing a, another panel on the on March 22nd. Uh, definitely check that out. Uh, because one of the things that's interesting is you talked about the overlap between culinary farming and now you have marketing. I think those are those are three <laughs> really important things that you don't see often enough. So definitely appreciate that. And man, you gave me a flashback. I mentioned at the onset my uh, family business, you know, 100 plus years in the industry and owning restaurants. And my uh, uncles out in Iowa, I remember taking a trip when I was 13 and seeing their restaurants for the first time. And they had the cigarette vending machine. And uh, yeah, so, of course, being a 13-year-old kid had to uh, get some, uh, some Camel Reds from the uh, cigarette vending machine in the dining room at my uncle's restaurant, O'Malley McGee's in Ames, Iowa. I remember that distinctly. Uh, speaking of being a fuck-up punk kid, that's, that was Meeks. And cigarettes from my uncle's vending machine. So anyway, I appreciate that. Melinda, so you jumped up on the stage. Uh, if you want to jump in and, uh, and contribute, love to hear from you. Yeah, thanks for, uh, thanks for asking. I, um, I don't, I'm not even really sure where to start here. So uh, my first restaurant experience of any major note was for a uh, food court in a local mall in New Jersey. And, uh, and I, I worked at a place that shared a kitchen. It was a Mexican restaurant on one side 
and a, uh, a, a bakery on the other. That's what faced the food court. And, uh, you know, my upbringing, my family of origin, dysfunctional, alcoholic, and uh, I would have done anything to stay out of the house as often and as much as I could. So work became my escape from when I was 15 years old. Um, that said, uh, there were some amazing people there. And if anybody ever wants to uh, come up with this uh, platform, some kind of an app to do this, I would love to connect with some of those people that I worked with when I was 15 or 16 years old because they really changed my life. I remember my first uh, boss, Lance, for my sweet 16 and bought me the uh, Led Zeppelin box set. And I was, I was in love, not just with Lance uh, being the teenage girl, but also with Led Zeppelin and, and so many fond memories. There's a woman there uh, named Pam who was in the Navy and she just had this personality and, and just, I wanted to be them, you know, I wanted to be them when, when Anthony Bourdain's book came out and, you know, Kitchen Confidentials, and he was talking about the guy with the gnarly hands and how much he wanted to be that guy with the gnarly hands, you know, I could totally relate. But, uh, you know, fast forward 25 years and in the restaurant business the whole time, uh, met with the vices of the industry and, and whatnot. Uh, and I, I got out uh, in 2015, nobody really gets out, right? But I, I took a hiatus from the business in 2015, went to school, became an alcohol and drug counselor with the hopes of turning that recovery lens towards restaurants. and. Uh, you know, speaking to the uh, caller who was on earlier about, you know, making food service a prerequisite, uh, I couldn't agree more. I think hospitality, I say this all the time, hospitality is the intersection of food services and human services, right? Lots and lots of transferable skills. And I meet with people all the time who say the same thing. Jensen, I think it was you said that, you know, they, they call you up, they say they want to transition, but they don't think they have any transferable skills. And, uh, so what I've been doing lately is going to the culinary schools and talking to the students and being like, hey, I know you like this path is, is what you see. Don't miss the lessons on the way about not just what you do, but who you are, right? Because who you are is what's going to take you on to the next level. I think uh, if anybody here has been in the business for 20 some odd years, you remember the exit strategy back in the 90s was to leave the restaurants and go become a Cisco rep. And, uh, you know, or a food service broker of some sort. And uh, that, that avenue is not there for people trying to get out of the industry now because the people who got out in the 90s are still alive, right? And you can still be a salesperson into your 60s and 70s. So the other uh, avenue that I try to encourage uh, young chefs, old chefs, and chefs in the middle uh, is to look at getting into human service roles, whether it's peer support or addiction counseling. And, you know, kind of no, no chef left behind, turn back to the industry that fed you and, and feed into it, you know, uh, but in a different way. Yeah, I appreciate that. And Linda, part of the uh, Chow Group, anybody wants to look up Chow, C-H-O-W, Culinary Hospitality Outreach and Wellness, uh, John Hinman, Aaron Boyle, also leading that effort. So definitely check that out because uh, we need to have more meaningful conversations. Last week's topic mental health in the restaurant industry was a pretty powerful one, uh, which is also up on our podcast if you want to listen to that. Linda, thanks. Appreciate you sharing. Uh, Young, want to come to you. Uh, tell us a little about yourself. Give us that uh, that origin story. and Where did it start for you? Hey, how you doing, Jensen? Um, so this is Young speaking. Uh, I currently own a restaurant and food truck in the Seattle area. 
um, uh, focus on uh, quick service style, sustainable food. We only source everything from local ranchers and farmers, and I'm trying to turn that business model uh, into uh, essentially sustainable eating within lower income neighborhoods, um, trying to show that no matter, you know, your income bracket or how much money you make, everyone should have access to the same food that somebody else will. Um, and so for me, growing up, I was an only child. My parents, my grandparents in the mid 80s had started a teriyaki restaurant in Seattle. Um, and so, you know, they ran that for 25 years. And so every single day I wasn't at school, you know, I was at the restaurant growing up. And it was during that time when my family was pounding into my head, like, you know, we're doing this to give you a better opportunity. Don't ever get into the food business. Um, and, you know, after college, I went and got like a quote, traditional nine to five job. And um, I ended up getting back into the restaurant industry. It's kind of a funny story. My first real restaurant job, um, I applied at a very high end, well, quote, high end steakhouse in the Seattle area. And um, I was hired as a dishwasher. Uh, I was 18, freshman, freshman in college. And um, I washed dishes for, I think, maybe three months or so, um, and then slowly started getting bu bumped up to prep positions and pantry positions. Um, and yeah, so that's kind of my story in a nutshell. There's there's a lot that has happened in my life, but you know, restaurants are definitely something that is you know close to my heart and will forever be a part of me. Young follow up, man. I got a question for you. You know, the big old air quotes get a real job is something that is so prevalent throughout kind of the youth of our of our industry. It's a transient job. It's a summer job. It's a get out there kid and make some money job. It's a, all right, as soon as you finish college job and it doesn't seem like it's supposed to be a career path. And look, there's a lot of vulnerabilities to it being a career path. Absolutely. Yet for some people, you, you kind of find that spot. So for you, you know, what, what was the catalyst? What pushed you beyond that? What pushed you back into it? What made you be able to, you know, fight the, the family pressure of all that? Give us a little of that. So, I mean, I was a, so I was a series seven and series 63 stockbroker for four years coming out of college. And, um, you know, there's many different factors that played into me not wanting to do that line of business anymore. Um, and I literally woke up one day and, you know, obviously being on the West coast, we as brokers on this side have to wake up way earlier because of the three hour time difference. And one day I woke up and I told myself that I didn't want to wake up at 3 a.m. anymore. I'd rather stay up till 3 a.m. Um, and the, the type of business type of people you mean at the end of the day, it's a sales job and it was just draining away on my soul. And so I made that hard decision to chase my passion. And five years later, I'm still standing. So and I'm happier than ever. I appreciate that. Young, now I remember where I, I uh, remember you from. I think it was Michelle's room where you were talking about <laughs> the dude you go pick meetup from and the uh, bromance that you guys have. Totally tangent, not first job at all. But I think something important, thinking about what Phil was talking about, those intersections, I think a lot of people would get uh, some good value out of it. Tell us about, tell us about your, uh, your bromance with your, uh, your meat guy. So in Washington... 
like people think, you know, you think of Seattle and you think all these big tech companies, but just two out two hours east, it's complete farmland. Um, and so, I mean, I made this pivot during the height of the pandemic. Um, I was kind of restructuring, trying to figure out how to um, essentially keep moving forward within the restaurant industry. And the turning point was, you know, I turned on television and I'm watching the giant COVID outbreak at the Tyson factory. And then, you know, day after day after that, I'm starting to see, you know, more news reports, like why are grocery store shelves sitting empty? But then, you know, you have the USDA who's killing off, you know, thousands of livestock, thousands of animals, and it just made no sense to me. And, you know, I started poking around and uh, um, on Instagram, actually, just through social media. And I ended up finding this distribution group uh, within Seattle who was linking restaurant owners to farmers. And so I ended up tapping in with them and they direct me, directed me to a gentleman um, about two and a half hours away from me. And they're like, hey, you can go up. He's a super personable guy. You're going to have a great time working with him. And I show up and, uh, you know, I'm 31 year old Asian American with tattoos and I pull up and uh, I actually have a lifted truck. And so the farmer with tinted windows, so the farmer obviously was assuming that, you know, a non, you know, more of a traditional person would be hopping out of this truck. And as soon as I got out, he had his hesitations and I could, I could feel that like, you know, he was looking at me like, oh, look at the city slicker. He's pulling up in a lifted truck. Like, let's see what he has to say. And we just sat down for a couple hours and we just had this great conversation about like his life and his family. And I was truly, I'm genuinely interested in everybody's story. And so I spent a lot of time just listening to him. And after our conversation, he invited me to walk around his farm and his ranch. And he told me everything about his animals. And, you know, essentially we struck a deal before I left that day. Um, and the stigma actually for me was gone too. I always thought that if you were going to source locally, um, that prices would be higher and, you know, it wouldn't be conducive to the restaurant model, but, you know, I'm getting better prices before than before through, you know, distribution companies. And I know exactly where these animals are coming from. I know the gentleman, I know his family now. And, you know, I think this is a great time for chefs to be able to pivot um, and to start reaching out more to locally, you know, source foods because that stigma that, you know, it's going to take too much time or it's going to take too much money it is gone. And we need to really just keep pumping money back into our own economy, into our small business owners, instead of supporting the massive global, you know, conglomerates who own 85% of the American meat market. Respect. Yeah, we got a lot of work to do. Phil, we got a lot of work to do. We'll uh, be in some other rooms together, I'm sure, and connect and, and have this, these conversations, it really matters. I hope we have uh, this type of room again in two years and the first job in the industry stories is a bunch of 19, 22 year old kids saying, well, my first job was at a farm and now I work with restaurants day in and day out. Like that's the kind of shit that makes change that I think is meaningful because we're all buying into feeding our community. That's what we're here to do. You know, the purest form of hospitality is feeding another human being. You commit your, yourself to that life, 
I think that's a life worth living. So I appreciate that. Nadine, thank you for jumping up. Love to hear your story. Uh, saw that you're on the Psalm side. So I'd love to hear maybe your first job in the industry. And then definitely fast forward us to when you get into that Psalm uh, lane, because that is a wild ride to say the least. So uh, thanks for uh, joining us. Awesome. Everyone, thanks for this this room. Um, I felt like um, you know, food and wine is kind of quiet right now um, in this space, so I really appreciate it. Um, I, I think like a lot of people got into the industry by happenstance. I feel like there are a lot of people that, um, you know, like Young was saying, you know, we're in Wall Street or, you know, other lawyers and, and just, you know, didn't find joy in what they were doing. Um, I'm originally from Jamaica. I grew up in Jamaica and Puerto Rico. So, you know, wine wasn't in my lexicon growing up. And I went to school in Boston for social work. I wanted to work with kids for as long as I could remember. Um, and I'm in the DMV in Washington, D.C. and moved, um, you know, kind of back home from, from college and got a job at, tried to find a job in, in my field and was having a hard time and answered an ad um, in the Washington Post, they were looking for a host, um, no experience necessary. And that was 20 years ago. And I just got bitten by the restaurant bug, you know, the, the chaos and, um, you know, how every, every day is, is different, but the same. And um, the wine, I started reading about wine history was kind of like my first hook. I worked my way up from from host to manager pretty quickly, you know, like before I was ready, I feel like I did that kind of throughout my whole my whole career in, in the industry. Um, you know, started writing the host schedule and then, um, you know, typing up the menus and then, you know, being the office manager and just took a shot and wrote the chef and saying, hey, I'm, I'm interested in becoming a manager and he took a chance on me. Um, but wine was my weak spot, you know, in terms of leading people. Um, so that's why I started going down the certification um, trail. So it's just, um, you know, just an, an amazing industry. And uh, I have a 10 year old and, um, you know, really hoping that he will, you know, not that I want him to really, um, you know, necessarily stay in the restaurant industry, but I, I think no matter what you do, there are a lot of soft skills that you learn in the industry that's really hard to pick up, you know, other, other places. Um, thank you. Nadine, really appreciate that. You touch on something so important. You know, this industry has pulled me personally in a lot of different directions, burnt out in the kitchen, couldn't do 70 hour work weeks for 15 hours straight and uh, keep my sanity and, you know, walked away from the industry and, and, what I, what I reflected on again, that family history is such a strange thing. It pulls on you so deeply. And I was looking at, I have two young sons. I was looking at them going, do I want them to get this industry? And two, three years ago, the answer was fuck. No, no chance, no way. Like, yeah, go get a real job. Like let's do something else. And, uh, and I just thought back on my first job. I thought back on the people who are still a part of my life and they've been there since the restaurants you know, we can pick up a story no matter where we are and and just reminisce and remember, you know, a lot of it was dumb shit we did, but we just have that deep, deep connection when you've been through something with people like you are when in restaurants, shared joy and trauma. Again, a lot to unpack there. 
And I looked at them and said, I, I have to recommit myself to building a new industry, not just a different mousetrap, not just a different color lipstick on the same bullshit. Yeah, we had to really build something different. So Nadine, I appreciate thinking about that legacy is, uh, is so, so important. So thank you for that. Awesome. Yeah. And I think, you know, just one last point that there's, there's not a lot of industries left where you can really, you know, start at the host. I'm, I'm a board member of the restaurant association here in DC. You know, those, those jobs of starting on the line of GM and becoming the CEO or whatever are kind of gone, but there's just a lot of you know, from dishwasher to, you know, to, to who knows what. So thank you. Really appreciate that. All right. Is it Jean or Jeannie? I'd love to have you come on speak. Please correct me. Make sure I get your name right. We get your name right. Tell us a little about yourself and give us that first job, that origin story. Um, hi, everyone. What a fun room. I love it. Um, let's see. So my first and one and only ever job in food, you can't even call it a restaurant, is when I was 15, I worked at the hot dog on a stick at the pier in San Monica. Um, that's my one um, food experience. And then, you know, fast forward, probably 35 years later, um, I, my background is health and wellness. Um, and I started to, once I had my son, I started to really focus on nutrition and he had a bunch of food sensitivities and um, I was just, I love to cook. I've always cooked um, 10 people over at my house every night, all the time. And so I started to really focus on feeding him and really got into the whole nutritional as well as enjoyment side of food because, you know, if a kid won't eat it, there's no point. Um, and then when he started kindergarten, found myself, um, I, I stepped out of the working world to raise him to be a mom and, um, found myself figuring out what, what's my next step. And I'm like the typical people you read about in books who know nothing about, you're like, Oh, open a restaurant. What a fun thing to do. You know, how easy is that? Let's do it. Um, I had no idea what the business was like and decided to open a restaurant because I felt um, like uh, there was a real need for healthy, high quality, clean food and really not happy with the way the food industry is and wanting to create some change in, and, and um, evolve, um, I guess, uh, the food industry to prioritize more people, consumers' um, health and well-being in terms of you know what's on menus and what's on store shelves. And so decided to open a restaurant and wow, it, it was so much work, so much learning. I'd never opened a business before, never really worked in a restaurant before. And so it's been a, a huge learning curve for me, but love it, super passionate about it. Um, love every aspect of it. And uh, so I'm hooked. Um, and also, uh, you, you were talking about, you know, food is, is one of the most important things like you can do, I think. And in, in the Vedas, it's one of the most important dharmas is feeding people. Um, because, you know, essentially we are what we eat. And if we want to be able to function as human beings and be able to 
experience the full depth and breadth of being a person, your body needs all its all the physiological and biochemical stuff it needs to function um, as a basis. And so that, as well as food, is one of the things that directly, um, it's like something outside of your body goes inside your body, becomes part of you. It's like your direct relationship with the world. And so psycho-spiritually, there's so much richness there as well with food. And so um, as food, as people that feed people, um, you have an opportunity to directly affect someone's essence as well as, you know, uh, your sensory um, taste and smell and everything. Um, all ties together and has an emotional component because your sense of smell is the only sense that directly connects to the limbic system and goes directly to emotion without bypassing the processing centers of the, of the brain. And so it, it just has such a rich and full um, aspect to life, enjoyment, physicality, pleasure, all of that. And so... Um, yeah, my name is Jeannie, and I'm done speaking. <laughs> Thanks for that. That's why the smell of grandma's house is such a strong sense memory, to to say the least. And uh, appreciate you jumping into this industry and respecting the fact that, look, a lot of people have gotten into this industry because they're successful in another industry and said, oh, I'd love to own a restaurant. And the best way to make a small fortune in restaurants is to start with a large fortune. So a lot of us have uh, owned and owned restaurants, so we respect that, uh, the hustle to, to get through it and the respect for it once you get in it, realizing that uh, past successes do not equal success in this industry. So thanks for that. And, you know, again, thinking in the future, we're hoping some of the people that are getting their first job at your restaurant speak on the fact that you helped them onto this path as well. So really appreciate that. Uh, Dave, if you want to jump in and uh, give us a little your origin story, we'd love to hear from you, man. How's it going, guys? Um, I'm Chef Dave. I'm, I'm originally from New Jersey, but I reside in Denver, Colorado, and we are getting stormed on right now. So it's fun. Um, I'm making short red wine and very short ribs and blends of today for date night. And my crib, that's what's going on. But um, my uh, my origin story and being in my first restaurant, I think for me was kind of special because hospitality has always been a part of my life. Um, I've had big a big family from both my mom's side and my dad's side, um, both different ethnicity and heritage uh, than most kids that I went to school with. For me, um, as most, I think, most guys that play sports, we all think that at some point we're going to get to the NBA, we're all going to get to big named sports and you know that's one in a million and uh for me i got hurt in my senior year of, of high school i was supposed to get a uh, d2 scholarship to at least play basketball in school to hopefully get me into something else not knowing that was my career um i broke both my ankles and basically my parents were like what are you gonna do you know you we, you were supposed to go to a school to play basketball what what's the plan now and for me um, luckily, I had great family uh, that supported me in my hospitality career and just the idea of bringing people together. Um, I knew food was something so special in my in my family that maybe I thought I should go to culinary school. So for me, I think the first 
experience with food was understanding or restaurant is understanding, um, you know, this is what I want. And part of getting to the best school in the country, in my opinion, uh, the CIA in New York is to do a six month internship somewhere or go have my experience, go get some experience somewhere before I get signed up for this culinary school. Um, and for me, my first restaurant experience was working at a restaurant in New Jersey in Berkeley Heights. Um, and I got introduced through a friend, but I loved it. I love the energy. I love the, the verbiage that we were able to speak. I loved, I loved all of the, the energy that was just going in throughout the kitchen. And I didn't know any of these guys. Meanwhile, I was 15 or 16 years old. Now being 28 in my life and my career and where it's gone and, and what I still continue want continued to want to do, um, you know, the first restaurant experience for me and my first restaurant job is what has formed me to what I am now. Um, not saying that going to culinary school didn't really shape and hone the skill that that first restaurant job gave me, but I felt like that first restaurant job that I had, that memory, that nostalgic feeling of not knowing what to do, getting put on a line for the first time, learning how to do cuts that other people seen, um, that for me was something special. And um, yeah, I'm a, I'm a chef now trying to work on my own frozen food, uh, frozen food product brand right now. Um, it's pretty exciting for me through COVID. I've been seeing big, uh, big changes and that's been my story. Dave, I appreciate that. I want to come back to you because I'm fascinating this, you having a, a team sport mentality. Uh, now you're as much player coach as, as anything as you kind of progress in your career. How are you trying to bring that mentality to the to the youngsters in the industry? This is something we're going to talk about a lot, people. If you follow anything that we do with Best Served or this club, we're going to talk about all the things that we've done so well and all the things we've fucked up along the way and some of the vulnerabilities of the industry that we have built. And so I'm interested in that, like for, as a leader, from a leadership standpoint, how are you thinking about that? How are you trying to instill somebody else having the same experience so that they can carry this industry forward? Um, that's a good question. And I think with that, it goes into willpower. It goes into intention of person, right? You can only do so much to inspire, to, to try to teach, to try to, um, I guess, be a leader. And only certain people that have that mentality that want to do great, do, that want to do great. And, and I feel like they're the ones that are going to stick by you and, and try to pursue those ideals with you. And, um, you know, for me being 28 and young in the industry, but also there's people that look up to me. I've done, you know, I do high school master classes. I do cooking talks for people, but as I grow as a, as a name in the industry, especially in Denver, for me, um, it's it's seeing what the other chefs in in their past experience have done for me. You know, I've been under some of the greatest people that I known in my city, but also I've worked for the best chefs in the world. You know, in Thailand or in New York, and I think that's where for me, I it's it's teaching that story or it's explaining that story and just getting it out there for people and and being inspired by you know other chefs out there. You know, there's um there's a chef, I don't know if you guys talked to Young, he's in this room also, but for me, I go into some rooms with Young and it inspires me to question, what am I doing? You know, what is the goal? What is the mission? And I think it takes each other 
all of us to inspire each other to push that forward. Um, and I'm done speaking. Thanks, guys. Hey, thanks, Dave. Um, Jensen, if I can tap in about the, the sports mentality. Please. Um, so I, uh, I'm the commissioner, and I currently coach a 15U Select travel baseball team. And, you know, growing up, I feel like head coaches and head chefs are essentially the same individual, right? You have two different types of coaches. You have a coach that is a hothead and will yell at you and make you run polls every single night. Or you have the other coach that is personable, who is understanding and essentially treats these, you know, kids as adults, right? Because my mentality is, is that uncoachable kids turn into unemployable adults. And that's one of the things I tell my parents all the time is it's really about education, right? At the end of the day, um, for all of us, our main mission should be educating, whether it's, you know, food or nutrition or, you know, how to get to the CPG market like Dave is doing with the samosas. And, you know, for us, we, we need to bring that mentality full circle because the day of head chefs and toxic work culture within kitchen industries needs to end. Um, that's one of the biggest hindering facts that discourage people from wanting to get into the kitchen because they think they're going to get yelled at every single night and, you know, they're going to get addicted to drugs. And these are important conversations. I feel like, um, that need to stem from clubhouse to preserve the future of our industry is we need to get rid of that toxicity. And I'm done speaking. So much respect, man. We have a lot of work to do. And I think one of the things that, we all need to do is kind of find out where and how we can take responsibility for the path we put ourselves on, put others on and try and find ways that we can actually come back together. One of the things I talk about a lot that's fascinating to me is we did all find our people. Like we found that, 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 that galvanizing something and maybe it was chaos. Maybe it was the heat of the battle. Maybe it was the team dynamic, whatever that is, we found it. And that put us on this path. And one of the things that I recognized in my own self is that I found that. And then I spent a lot of my career turning this into a job and putting so many systems and so much pressure on myself and so many others that I forgot about the story. Dave mentioned the story. Now we focus on nothing but the story. One of the hard things I've had to reflect on in this time as a chef is the food doesn't actually matter. And that is a really hard thing to come to ter terms with. Again, the why and the who before what and how is something that we really, really need to reflect on because the food is just the proof that you are who you say you are. And that is something that's really, really driving me these days is like, there has to be something more. If it's, if it's just look in the moment, you better manage seconds and pennies. I understand you better be able to get that next plate up. I understand yet in the macro, when we zoom out, if we aren't taking care of the people who were meant to be leading, well, then I know exactly why this industry is struggling right now. So I, I really appreciate that. We're going to wrap here in a second. Steven, I want to come to you uh, to kind of give us the last story. And then everyone reflect for a moment. I'd love for people just to, uh, to pile on here at the end. Any other topics that are, that are top of mind for you? I'd love to hear those. This room is happening every single week, Sundays, 2 p.m. to 3 p.m. Eastern time. We kind of go light, heavy, light, heavy. 
a, a little bit so we can kind of bounce around. But we always want to keep this as the most relevant topic in what's happening within the industry and outside the industry that's impacting the industry. So I'd love to hear from everyone before we wrap, if you guys have an idea or two of a topic you'd like to see discussed, you know, if you guys would like to co-host or collaborate on anything for sure. But Steven, before we get to that, love to hear your story. Take us out. Take us out with a good one, my friend. All right. Thanks for having me guys. So my story kind of is a little similar to everyone. I actually am a catering and events manager for Sean within his restaurant. Um, Sean, thanks for getting me on this, you know, clubhouse app. It's actually my first, second time actually being in one of these. So pretty cool. Um, I actually got hired as a host first ever restaurant job in my life. I've done nothing but working with kids, doing recreation, summer camps, sports and athletics, childcare from preschool level to, you know, high school level doing all that. Um, but yeah, so I started as a host, not really having any experience whatsoever. And I've always been the person that is always willing to do something out of their comfort zone, whether that's going on a line during a busy fight night or a football Sunday when the Chargers are, you know, playing in a game or going on a catering to feed the Chargers feed the San Diego goals, our local amateur hockey team down here in San Diego to just running barbecue competitions and helping out as much as I can there to now being able to help out running our second concept that we opened in Barrio Logan the past three weeks to just virtually being there to help out wherever I can. And I'm extremely grateful to find such a family tight kinship of a you know job that I feel the most comfortable and the safest and the most happiest surrounded by people I truly enjoy working with. So that's my story. I love it. I don't think I will ever leave this industry. It's kind of my home away from home. Stephen, thanks for that. And Sean, I love that. If I want to know about some uh, somebody as a leader, you talk to the people that they lead, not to them, right? And so I appreciate hearing that for sure, Stephen. Thank you so much for that. Uh, it's it's fascinating listening to so many people. It's just it's always the people. It's we were working in athletics, we were working with kids, we were working in in coaching, like all these different things. That it's always just about being servant leaders. You know, I definitely think that that's an important fundamental piece of who we are. And again, just the food, beverage, and hospitality, that's just the vehicle for the communication. We're just pure communicators. We are here to build relationships. And this just is its the universal language. It's the language of, of love, of, of family, is, is food. And so we've found a way to intermingle those. And sometimes they're too closely intermingled, for sure. Again, strength and vulnerability in a lot of what we do. So I appreciate that. Uh, just for a moment, before we wrap, I want to... And on uh, just getting some ideas from you guys. You all are, you know, thought leaders in this space. You all are sharing your voices, which means so much to me and so much to the industry. It's the only way that we move forward. I'd love to hear just throw anything out. Anybody, please. And I'll sc we'll scribble down some notes and, uh, and try and form our rooms around the conversations that are wanting to be had. Anybody got some stuff they want to be talking about in Clubhouse? Yeah, sure. this is I, Phil. I'll, I'll go ahead, Eric. No, go for it. Go for it. I'll go after you. Yeah, just real quick, uh, get to know a farmer. 
get to know ten, and uh, and it really encouraged those farmers to uh, to get to know more restaurant tours. Cool. My thing, uh, this is Eric, would be uh, to just talk about, I guess, family life. So I was lucky enough to sell a company of mine a few years ago. Went to culinary school with the idea of uh, moving into the industry in the back of the house. But uh, although I kind of knew pay wasn't there, <laughs> making the transition not only by with uh, pay, but also the hours really translated into me sticking with my current career more in the marketing and marketing space. So, um, you know, what we were talking earlier just about it being a career choice. It is a hard career choice on so many different levels, and pay an hour certainly don't make it easy. Uh, Jensen, this uh, this is an awesome awesome room, man. You did a great job moderating. I uh, can't thank you enough. I think you know so many of the stories that were shared today are exactly why we're in the business that we're in, and I think it's a brave new world. I think. Um, hospitality is something that is needs to be taught in schools. Um, everybody that's worked in hospitality, there's a reason why we work in it. It's compelling for us. Um, and I think there's a lot of opportunity. You know, you talked about people that they can't think of working in any other field. And I, I tend to think that hospitality is finding its way into so many other fields because people know that they need it. So whether it's in technology, whether it's in, I mean, customer service is bullshit. And I think that's something that needs to get addressed because that's just treating someone like a human. And we all know what customer service is. And that's just, you know, answering the phone because the phone rings or opening the door because you need to open the door. Hospitality is different. Hospitality is how, how you make someone feel and creating that memorable moment and that servant leadership. And I think um, the more you continue to, host rooms like this and have different people from different experiences talking to a farmer. I mean, you know, a bromance with the farmer that <laughs> we, we have those in, in different forms when we take the time to learn who our beer delivery driver is, why they're doing the work that they're doing, why craft beer is important, why they're working for the craft brewery that they're working for. So the more that we do that, I think um, the better off we'll be. So th thanks, man. I appreciate you uh, leading the way and uh, any way I can help reach out. It's an honor. Uh, if anybody else, please, anything comes yeah. to your mind, any rooms you're in, anything at any time, uh, look up my uh, my profile and uh, hit me up on uh, on Instagram for sure, because I'd love to be able to just, you know, create the space for all of you and all of us to be able to to communicate about, you know, where we're at, the good, the bad and thinking forward. So I appreciate that. Yeah, Jeannie, you got you got one last good one for us. Well, um, yeah, I'm, you know, really happy to have stumbled into this room. Jensen, um, amazing um, moderating and just insight. Um, and uh, as, as Sean was saying as well, um, there's just, I mean, there's so much going on in our industry. And like, how do we, like, how do we motivate and inspire um, everyone that's working in our kitchens at front and back of house to, um, you know, really be in themselves and, and, you know, embrace why they're on this journey. Uh, I think um, I would love to hear more about that and about what drives people's passion in this, in this um, industry. Um, I know that with COVID and everything, you know, 
psychologically speaking, dealing with our um, fa restaurant family, you know, so many people really miss that connection with uh, like why they're doing this. You know, they, they want to see those happy faces. They want to talk to the, the, the diners and, and, and just feel that, that back and forth. Um, and that, that a lot of people are talking about leaving the industry because that, that, that part was taken out. And, and just, yeah, just hearing more about what, what are the things about our industry that make it so, um, that, 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 that inspire such passion. Thank you. Jean, thanks for that. Everybody, thank you so much. Uh, this will be up on our all of our podcast platforms on Wednesday so that we can all share it out. Just this type of conversation is so, so fundamentally important for us to be able to communicate. We need to have these inspired conversations. We need to have the hard conversations and everything in between. That's the way that we're going to uh, move forward in this industry. So thanks to all of you for taking some time on your uh, on your sunday really appreciate all of you have a great rest of your day cheers thanks for listening to the best served podcast subscribe to our show and connect with us on social media at best served podcast tune in next week to discover more unsung hospitality heroes